This morning's reading is taken from Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 to 21. If you happen to have a church Bible, it's on page um, 1174 or the large print 1860. Ephesians chapter 3. A prayer for the Ephesians. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Christina Townsend, thank you so much. Let me just pray for us. Heavenly Father, as we come to your word this morning, as Christina has prayed, would you fill us with an immeasurable knowledge? Would you fill our hearts to overflowing so that we might go forth with a holy boldness to serve you as your beloved family? For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Right, how many of you have been to the gym this week? Hands up. Oh yes, one or two hands going up. That's brilliant, isn't it? Do you, f- I, I go to, do you know, I find gyms a bit daunting these days because all these fit young things, you know, doing these wonderful bends and stretches and it, it's really, it's really quite, I mean, it's, it's enough for me just to get down and tie my shoelaces up. And then I have to think, what else I'm going to do when I'm down there? But, uh, and the other thing is, the, all these lifestyle t-shirts, I mean, they've all climbed a mountain backwards or run thousands of marathons or something. It's really quite intimidating. They've always done it for charity or sail around the world. Have you had that experience? Anybody seen those T-shirts in the gym? Yes, one or two people are nodding. Mind you, it's also a good place for, for good conversations, evangelical conversations. Because if you spot the right slogan on the T-shirt, it does give you a good entry into what you can, you can talk about. So, preparing for this talk, I had a look in the gym recently, the last couple of times, just to see what the slogans were. And some of them are a bit bizarre. Let me just share three with you. The first one I came across was this. Drink like a pirate, dance like a mermaid. Anybody got any idea what that's about? No, I haven't either. Drink like, dance like a mermaid. Okay. And then there was a guy who was really working away, really, really hard, and he was quite a large chap, and he had a sign on the back of his, he was puffing and panting, and he had a sign on the back of his T-shirt which said, pain, pain is just weakness leaving the body. <laughs> yeah, great. But there was a really good one. There was a really good one this, uh, on, on earlier this week. Zombies hate fast food. Zombies hate food. Right, okay. And then, hallelujah, a guy came into the gym and on the back of his T-shirt he had, God puts the awe into awesome. Yes! We got praying together. It was fantastic. 
But honestly, there really is nothing like joining a family of fellow sufferers running like crazy to stay on the spot for 20 minutes, is there? And of course, for blokes at least, the camaraderie extends to the locker room, where the sweatier you are, the better. Come to think of it, actually in Roman times, wealthy ladies used to have the gladiators after they they used to have the gladiators, the sweat was scraped off the gladiators and it was put in jars and the ladies used it as a face cream. <laughs> Beth, do you think that might yeah, do you think that might be something for the, Christ, the ladies' Christmas market, Beth? Probably not. Beth doesn't think it would be. Okay. Well, actually, for those of you who don't go to the gym, I've got some good news. Because you're actually making a healthier choice by being part of a church family this morning. Because according to, the, according to recent medical research, you're far better off coming to church than going to the gym. They did an analysis of 42 research studies looking into the role of religion in health. And they found a simple, profound truth. Being a member of a church family, regularly attending at a place of worship, will seriously improve your health. And it increases your life expectancy. Isn't that great? Here are some of the findings. Compared with those who don't regularly attend church, you're more likely to live longer, less likely to suffer from stress, high blood pressure, heart disease, cancer, depression, or obesity. And here's a really great statistics for all us parents and grandparents who struggle to get the youngsters into church. Life life expectancy for a 20-year-old attending church regularly is seven years longer than for those who don't go to church. Isn't that great? So get to it, grandparents and parents. Actually, perhaps we shouldn't be that surprised because the Bible's been telling us for thousands of years that we're better off gathering together to worship. Take Deuteronomy chapter 30, for instance, just before the Israelites took possession of the promised land. It says, love God, walk in his ways, keep his rules so that you will live exuberantly, blessed by your God in the land you're about to enter. Then you'll enjoy longer life. So we shouldn't really be surprised that when we follow the maker's instructions, keep to the recommended weekly service intervals, we remain covered by the manufacturer's warranty. Forgive the pun. What Jesus, of course, said, wasn't it, that the thief only comes to kill, 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 destroy, kill and destroy, but I've come that you might have life abundantly. And he meant it because it's true. And at a time when nationalism seems to be on the rise in Europe, when America looks as though it's becoming more isolationist. Up there in Scotland, Nicola Surgeon's hoping that a muddled Brexit will win her independence for Scotland. In fact, all over the world, smaller and smaller groups are seeking autonomy and independence. And yet our citizenship, as God's loved family, is more important, more secure, more permanent than any nationality on earth. We're we're one loved family 
across every divide and nation. Because all of us, all of us, are called to belong, not just to believe. God has created us for community, he's fashioned us for fellowship, and he's formed us to be a united, loved family. Created for community, fashioned for fellowship, and formed to be a united family. And there's a good reason for us to be together, because none of us, none of us can fulfill God's purpose by ourselves. The Bible tells us that we are put together, joined together, built together, members together, heirs together, fitted together, held together, and we will also all be caught up together. So while our relationship with Christ is personal, God never intended it to be private. In God's family, we're connected to every other believer. And what's more, we'll belong to each other for eternity. Following Christ involves belonging together, belonging, not just believing. So from this passage in Ephesians, I think we can draw three practical lessons about being a loved family of believers belonging together. Firstly, our church family life is enriching because it moves us out of self-centered isolation. Secondly, our church family identifies us as genuine believers, as together, as together we build God's kingdom. Together we grow and support each other on our faith journeys. And thirdly, our church family life is our primary place of service. And we owe that service to Jesus because he loved us, the church, and he gave his life for us. As it says in Matthew's Gospel, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. So firstly, our church family life is enriching because it moves us out of self-centered isolation. How many of you know the story about the pastor who went to see the Christian who wouldn't come to church and there was a coal fire? A few of you know that story. There was a blazing coal fire. The pastor didn't say anything and he sat with this man and said, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. And the pastor didn't say anything. He just took a tong, he took one of the coals and he put it out on the hearth. And that glowing bright coal went from glowing to grey to dark. It lost all its power. It lost its glow. The pastor didn't say anything. After a bit, he just picked up the tongs and he put it back into the fire with all the other glowing coals. And it started to glow again. It started to be bright again. Without saying a word, the pastor got up to leave. And at the door, his host thanked him for his fiery sermon and promised to return to church the following week. It's a great illustration of something I shared with you last time I was preaching. You probably, some of you remember it because you've commented on it. Preach the gospel. Use words if you have to. The Bible says a Christian without a church family home is like an organ without a body, a sheep without a flock, or a child without a family. It's an unnatural state because we need more than the Bible to grow. We actually need each other. And as it says in verse 6, 
We are all heirs together, members together of one body, sharing together in the promise of Christ Jesus. But there's, if you notice in the passage, there's a higher purpose too. Verse 10, his intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realm. For Paul, writing to the believers in Ephesus, this was a dig at the Ephesian goddess Artemis. But for us, our witness as a united family, loved by God, also has a divine purpose to it, to witness for all time to the angelic host. So it's not just temporal, it's also spiritual. Secondly, our church family life identifies us as genuine believers working together as we build his kingdom. Verse 10 talks about the manifold wisdom of God. In classical Greek, the adjective manifold, polypokalos, refers, it means, it's almost the, the beauty of an embroidered pattern like a wonderful variety of shapes and flowers we see in the flower displays. There's a good example up there. Each one of you, each one of us, has been given different gifts, different skills. And the best way to nurture those gifts, the best way to use those skills, is to pull them, to put them into the common family pool, so that together, within the church family, the sum of the whole is greater than the individual parts. And that's not only within St. Saviour's. Over the summer, I've been helping out at some other churches in the diocese. And can I just say, it's been a real privilege to represent you, because St. Saviour's is seen as a church family that is committed as much to each other as it is to the Lord. And I heard more than one account of really unselfish acts of love and encouragement by St. Saviorites towards other churchgoers. So firstly, our church family life is enriching because it moves us out of self-centered isolation. Secondly, our church family life identifies us as genuine believers, growing together in love. And thirdly, our church family life is our primary place of service. What do I mean by that? Well, you can't build spiritual muscle just by attending worship services. The difference between a church attender and a church family member is participation. Attenders spectate from the sidelines. Members roll up their sleeves and get stuck into ministry. Romans 12.5 says, So in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Belonging to each other means rolling up those spiritual sleeves, getting stuck in together, sharing together. It's pretty well stuff that you guys I know are doing already, praying for each other, encouraging each other, bearing each other's burdens, forgiving one another, submitting to one another. In short, being devoted to each other. So, three things. Membership of a loved family moves us out of self-centered isolation. 
Membership of a loved family identifies us as authentic followers of Christ, and a loved church family becomes our primary place of service. So, is it any wonder that compared with non-churchgoers, researchers have discovered that our quality of life is superior? Because a loved family, devoted to Jesus, infused with Christ, powered by the Holy Spirit, pooling our skills and gifts, sharing together our triumphs and our pain with hearts that are open to an amazing, amazing God who is loving and gracious and merciful and abundant in goodness and truth, infinite in being and perfection. I'd like to spend a morning talking about God's qualities, but we haven't got the time. Is it any wonder that as Christ dwells richly in us, as we become increasingly rooted and grounded in his love, as we experience that love amongst ourselves, is it any wonder that we live longer, more fulfilled, more purposeful lives? So three things I hope you'll take from this passage. Membership of a loved family, centered on God and each other, no longer allows us to be isolated. Membership of a loved family of genuine believers is an authentic witness, not just attending church, but being church, being church together. And membership of a loved family, as we are devoted to each other, is our primary place of service, as we are devoted to each other, and then we go out with the strength of the family behind us, with a holy boldness to share amongst the community. Because members of a love family are witnesses also. And this, this really struck me from this passage. We're witnesses to a cosmic purpose. We're witnesses to God's eternal pledge to all mankind and the heavenly realms that through our beloved Lord Jesus Christ, all divisions, all divisions will one day be healed and cosmic harmony will be restored. All divisions will be healed and cosmic harmony will be restored. Now how about that for a slogan to wear on your t-shirt? Amen. <laughs>